Well, hey, we are on page uh, 16, and once again, shocker, can anybody guess what I'm about to write up here? The word is salvation, because that's the chapter we are still on, but uh, we're having fun. Salvation, we saw, as you turn there to page 16, just to do a little recap, we've already dealt with the issue of salvation. The Christian salvation is something that's totally unique. That was our first study, you know, and again, the premise was we are trying to uh, understand what salvation is. We are trying to appreciate it in its fullness, and so we need to understand that there is a lie out there in the world that is being pushed that says that all religions basically teach the same thing, don't you know? And they all basically lead to the same place. That's a lie, okay? And so we took the time in the first study to see the uniqueness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? And then we flipped it around and played, if you will, the devil's advocate and took a look at the world religions, okay? They don't even agree with each other. So how in the world can somebody say that all religions basically teach the same thing and it doesn't matter, whatever? And then what we saw uh, the last time was then we saw we can trust the Bible. And the first thing the Bible tells us, of course, obviously, is the issue that there is a God. And we saw the, the most important, the characteristic that the Bible, especially when it comes to this topic of salvation, we have to understand, guys, is that God is what kind of a God? Holy. And what we saw, if you were here last week, that is the only attribute of God that is repeated three times in the scripture. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. For those of you who hooked on counting, uh, that's three times. Okay, is what's going on there. And so the Bible doesn't mention that God is love, love, love. He is just, 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 although he is. But the Bible tells us that God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. And what we saw there is when it comes to this topic of salvation, you better understand this whole issue because this is the, the dilemma. This is what we need to be saved from. God is holy, and apart from him, we are not. And so we're separated. It also helps us to understand why is there a hell? It understands why there is judgment in the first place, why there is punishment for sin, okay, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't understand the holiness of God, you're not going to understand any of that, okay, let alone the true salvation, the uniqueness of what we have to share with the world, the gospel, which means good news. We're not going to understand that. And dare I say again, we will not fully appreciate what God has done for us, okay? He is holy. He is holy. We are not. It's over. There's nothing we could do. We can't reverse it. It's over. While we were still sinners, while we were unrighteous, while we were ungodly, while we were helpless, God did what only he could do. He came down and paid the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. Okay? That's amazing. But if you don't understand the holiness of God, you know, people say, well, you know, they, they approach, as we saw before, this salvation, this, which, which is another gospel, which is not the gospel, okay, as we saw before. And Paul says, if somebody preaches to you another gospel other than what we preach, let him be accursed. Literally, let him be damned. He said, I'll say it again, let him be accursed, okay? This, the gospel, that God is holy, we are not. It's only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. If somebody comes to you and tries to give you a different salvation message, Paul says, let that person be damned. Okay, because again, you get this, this is the core issue. If you get this wrong, you get it wrong forever. So you better get it right. And not only that, for us here tonight as born-again Christians, hey, that's some serious impetus for us. So if we get the privilege to share this salvation message, I hope we're getting it right. And, and the, the other gospel that's being preached today is that Jesus, again, is some sort of life enhancement. Come to Jesus, you know. There, there's no talk about God's holiness and our unholiness or sin or the need to repent or acknowledge that. And then receive the good news. It's like the carts before the horse. Come to Jesus. It's great. Everything be fine. Right? 
Okay, and again, we saw, hey, I believe that when you follow Jesus as a born-again Christian, your life definitely will improve. Okay, but don't get the cart before the horse. Don't preach another gospel. And so that's what we saw. God is not only real, but he is holy. Okay, now page 16, here's where we left off. That's the, the, the news. That's the premise in the scripture about salvation. What we need to be saved from is this separation from a holy, holy, holy God, which demands punishment for unholiness. Now, here is the problem. Okay, and the problem, as you can see there at the the just below at the top of 16 says mankind is what? Sinful, right? Okay, you've got to acknowledge that when it comes to the issue of salvation. Unfortunately, people today, that's what they say. Oh, hey, don't you know that God loves you and and that he just loves you? And don't you want to receive his love and it's love? And, and that's true for God. So loved the world, right? And that's true. Okay, but then you don't talk about sin, you don't talk about the dilemma, you don't talk about his holiness, our unholiness, so we're separated from him as a result, right? And then you got, you got people get it pumped into their brain from pop secular psychology, you just got to love yourself and self and self, it's all about self, 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 right? Okay, and then you present that message and say, well, God just, he loves you, he loves you so much, you just got to, don't, don't you want to receive his love? And there's no repentance, there's no remorse over sin, it's like, well, yeah, of course God loves me. Doesn't everybody? You know, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Isn't that the mantra today? You just got to love it. Excuse me? There's, that's not the gospel, folks. That's a false gospel, okay? And usually that's how people respond. And then what happens when they go forward under that false gospel, okay? And then when hard times hit, what Jesus said they will, okay? They're out of here, okay? I don't know the heart. Only God does. But, you know, hey, maybe the reason why they didn't stick is because 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, I believe, says the reason why they went out from us is because they never belonged to us. Okay? The reason why they, quote, left the faith. It wasn't because, as some people would say, you can, well, they lost their salvation. That's not true. That's the whole next chapter, assurance of this good news. Praise God. Okay? Okay, that's a whole next section. We'll take some time on that. Uh, but, but that's what they would say. Well, no, they lost their salvation. No, they didn't. Okay? Uh, maybe they got the wrong gospel, which means they were never born again. And so the reason why they went out from us, John says, First John, is because they never belonged to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Why? Because we are sealed, as we'll see in the next chapter, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are guaranteed to get there. Awesome thing that's going on there. When Paul talks and uses the word pledge, it's the Greek word arobon, okay, and it's the word that's used of a promise ring, an engagement ring, and it's such a wonderful, beautiful, intimate a relationship term that God uses that when you become born again, I give you my engagement ring, the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to renege on it. You will be my bride. You are my bride. We're just waiting for the wedding day. Isn't that awesome? But we'll get to that later. All mankind is sinful. This is our dilemma, Okay, that needs to come across when we understand or when we share the gospel. Okay, the Bible says that all mankind is sinful. Now, again, notice that this is the absolute, complete opposite direction of the core attribute of God. Okay, this is why there's separation. It ain't going to jive, as we saw. How is that which is sinful going to be in the presence of that which is holy? That's the dilemma. That's what people need to cognizantly realize. Uh oh, as the guy says down there, he says, I'm in big trouble. Okay, is his actual words. And here's what Paul says, okay? Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 18 is what he is quoting here. We get to fill in some blanks. Anybody excited? Yeah. As it is written, Paul says, there is everyone righteous because we all know that everyone's wonderful and God just, he just accepts it. False gospel. None is your blank there. None. And for those of you hooked on spelling, that's N-O-N-E. 
Okay, none is righteous, uh, not even one. Don't you just love how Paul reiterates that? Oh, in case you didn't get it, uh, uh, not even one. Okay, in case you don't know the definition of none, okay, uh, not even one. There is none, is your second blank, who understands. There is, can anybody guess what this one is? None. none. You guys are biblical scholars. That's awesome. Let's take a moment of silence. Okay, let's continue on. There is none who seeks God. Hey, wait a second. I've got to stop there. No one who seeks God? Wait a second. What about that guy who's really religious in the community? And man, he's always doing good things. He might even be helping out the church. He might even donate so we can get these pews. Or he might have donated so we can clean the carpet just a couple weeks ago so we can get rid of Deacon Jones, uh, 40 pounds of skin that was on the pews. And, and he, he's a great guy. I mean, he's seeking God. What do you mean nobody seeks God? I mean, there's the times when people do stuff. Well, first of all, you need to understand. If a person is actually, only God knows the heart. If they are actually seeking God, that's a work of God's spirit drawing them unto himself. So God gets the credit. Okay, number two, even those people who are doing those good deeds, you have to wonder, and God knows the heart, folks, is it really truly seeking for God? Or oftentimes, if you notice, people play those religious games. I've encountered a bunch of these. People, they'll do good things. They'll donate to such and such charity or such and such church, but they want to have their name on the back of the pew. Is that for God? They want to have that, uh, you know, uh, remembrance, uh, that plaque on the wall, and they want to have the, you know, uh, the scholarship fund has to be in my name. Really? Is that really for God? I don't think so. And so you see that that's tainted with self, okay? And that's why Paul says nobody even seeks God. Nobody, okay? This is the dilemma. All have turned aside, he says. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. And again, this is the same thing. Well, what is it? I know a person that does good, but really? Is it really unto God? Okay, as we're going to see, is it the goodness that is defined as the goodness according to God? We'll get to that in just a little bit. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Now, listen to this. He gets graphic. How's this for building up self-esteem? I love this one. Uh, their throat is an open grave, right? And so, obviously, they had a serious uh, halitosis problem back in the Roman times when Paul's writing this. They didn't have toothpaste like we did today. Give it up for dentists. No, that's not what's going on there. He's talking about, like Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, bleh, what speaks? The mouth. You want to find out what's inside of somebody? You want to find out what's, how, how, how you want to find out, this to me is an acid test. Okay, you want to find out how spiritual a Christian is? Put them in some hard times and watch what comes out of their mouth. Bingo. That will tell you why. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance, what you've been storing up in your heart, it's going to come out. It's like a sponge. You squeeze it, hey, something's going to come out of there. Whatever it's been sucking up, soaking up, okay? And as we soak up the word of God, out should be popping out the word of God. We're trusting in God, okay? So that's the acid test. Paul says, hey, apart from Jesus Christ, you know what's coming out? Putrid, yuck, an open grave. Now, let me just give you a little flavor of what's going on there. Have you guys ever, unfortunately, purchased a big old uh, 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 container of... Uh, uh, chicken, raw chicken, you know where I'm going, John, okay? And after it thaws, unfortunately, you didn't throw it away like you should have, after it thaws, you got all that juice, that funky-looking, pinkish-looking juice stuff there, okay? Now, of course, I'm sure you guys are out there, waste not, want not, and so once you, unfortunately, start to cook that chicken, you take the juice in that, that, that styrofoam container and go, right? Open grave, okay? That's what's coming out of the mouth. Okay, that's a good, you got it now? That's what Paul says, man, in light of God who is holy, man, you're out of your bleh. That's what's coming out in God's comparison. 
Praise God for beef. You can do that with beef juice, right? With a good steak. Okay, anyway, that's right. We'll continue on. Uh, their throat is an open grave with their tongues. They keep on what? Not only putrid junk coming out, now they start doing what? Deceiving. What? The poison of asps. What is that? Snake. Okay, it's under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And then not only that, now their feet, not only with their mouth, their actions, their feet are swift to shed blood. They don't, I mean, I was just quick, yeah, let's go do that thing. Let's go do that harm. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the peace they have not known. Listen, here's four in a row. Whoa, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Here's your blanks there. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, can I give you a theory as to why there is no fear of God before their eyes? Because they are ignorant of the holiness of God. Because we saw last week with that cursory study, when you understand the holiness of God, when you encounter the true, actual, holy presence of God, what do people do? Uh, remember Isaiah? Uh, I shut my mouth. There ain't chicken juice coming out of here, man. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, it works. It works. You know it works. Okay, but anyway, that's right. It gets the point across. Okay, but you know, it's, and they go, ah, uh, yeah in the holiness of God. Hey, why do these people do this and continue to do this and continue to full of cursing and, and bitterness and they're, they're swift to do ugly, horrible, rotten deeds and dare I say, unfortunately, even Christians. Folks, this isn't applicable just to the world. I'd say it's to the church. Why do things continue bad? Why do Christians continue to do rotten things? Man, maybe we better start studying the holiness of God. He doesn't like these things, saved or unsaved. Open your Bibles. Uh, he hates them. Is actually, let me write that down. Did you know that God hates? He doesn't just love, he hates. Okay? There are certain things that he hates, okay? And uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6. And uh, in case you ever want to get on God's bad hit list, uh, which I don't recommend, uh, here's a little acid test, okay? Whatever you do, please don't do these things. Okay, Proverbs chapter 6, and I believe it starts around 16. And uh, let's take a look. And it talks about the classic six things. No, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, there's seven, okay, that God absolutely hates. He abhors this stuff. Don't do this, okay? I don't recommend this, okay? Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things the Lord what? What? Hey, folks, that doesn't make sense. If you preach the false gospel, only half the story that God is love, he is love, he is love, he is love, he is love, and you never dealt with this issue, hey, this statement is kind of weird. God does not tolerate sin, as we saw. He does not like this. Okay? That's not the image in which he created us. Okay? This is what he hates. Seven are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. Think of all the attributes of our society. Pride, love, self, self, right? God hates these things. This is detestable to him. He says, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that are... Uh, shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet are just like what Paul said. They're quick to, quick to do this stuff. It, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man, this one, this is detestable to God, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. God hates divisive behavior. Whoa. Why? Because it isn't just the sa uh, unsaved folks, it's the saved, Okay. Uh, uh, he is holy, he is holy, he is holy. Why do these people continue to do this? Because there is no fear of God before their eyes. When you understand that God is holy and the predicament we're in, we are under, we're going to get to this hopefully, we are under his wrath and we are headed for hell. That should cause you fear. 
right? I should cut you fear because that's real. That's truth. That's what the Bible teaches, okay? Now, as a Christian, let me break it down for you. Well, I'm saved. I don't have, that's, I don't have to fear God. Well, not in, I would say, uh, a judgmental sense because that's already been taken care of, praise God, okay? But I would say in this, in a fatherly sense, okay, you do need to be afraid of that. Because if you do get out of line, and if you forget that God is holy, and he says, even as his children, be holy as I am holy. And Paul says, walk a, a walk that is worthy of the calling. Okay, he wants us to resemble him, right? And he's given us the sufficiency by his spirit. He wants us to walk and live and keep in step with the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, when you don't do that, we're not afraid like, oh, no, I'm going to lose my salvation and go to hell. Praise God, that can't happen. Okay, so that's, it's a different kind of a fear element, if you will, okay? It's a fatherly one because we're afraid of getting discipline, okay? Anybody ever get disciplined by dad? All right, did you ever know that it's coming, and as soon as you saw it was coming, what was in your heart? Okay, was that bad? Okay, no, not all fear is bad. Did you know that when you touch the stove and it sends a signal instantaneously to your brain, Okay, that's good. You know, there's people actually that have those uh, nerve problems and they don't feel the pain, the hotness, and what have you. That's not good. Okay, so not all fear is bad. Did you know that if you are going down the road and a car is just about ready to get you, all of a sudden your adrenaline goes boom and gives you the strength to quickly, right? All right, was that bad? Not all fear is bad. And did you know that it's not that bad, you know, when it comes to understanding that, listen, you're not going to lose your salvation, but God might discipline you. And the fact that you know that, why? Because God is holy and he wants we, his church, to be holy. I don't want to get spanked by God. Anybody ever been spanked by God? Right? Now, he does it because he loves us. But that should be something to be enough to, like, motivate you. I don't want one of those, I don't want another spanking. Right, God, right? Hebrews chapter 12, turn there. Okay, classic passage to deal with this, okay? Hebrews chapter 12. Now, as we turn there, we've got to buy some time, of course. Uh, Hebrews is the only book in the Bible that commands Ruth that men must make the coffee. Why? Hebrews, you got it. Ha, 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 that's a classic one. That's right. Stalled enough time, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, let's take a look there. Uh, verse 4, let's start with there. Now, he's talking to uh, Christians, obviously, the writer of Hebrews. Okay, and he says, in your struggle against what? If you're there yet, sin. So that means that we acknowledge that, yes, praise God, we're saved from the judgment of the condition of God is holy, and we are not through Jesus Christ. Praise God. Okay, but after that, until we get to heaven, he wants us to live a holy life, and so we're supposed to resist the opposite of holiness, i.e. sin. Struggle, oh, okay. So in your struggle against sin, hey, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, have you? Really? Okay, in other words, keep it up. And you've forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My sons, do not make light of the Lord's what? Discipline. And do not lose heart when he, what? Rebukes you. Why? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. But he also what? He punishes or chastens everyone he accepts as a son. And then he goes into an analogy. He said, first of all, endure hardship as discipline. What? You mean to tell me sometimes the hard things that I go through in life, myself included, could be a spanking from God? Because I'm not living and emulating this core character he wants me to be, i.e. holy. Yeah. 
might very well be. Sometimes it is, folks. Pay attention. And as we talked before a couple weeks back, how many things that we have blamed on the devil is actually the hand of God trying to teach us something or maybe an act of discipline? Ain't the devil, man. God's trying to stir us away from sin, okay? He wants his children to resemble him, okay? Let's take a look. He says, endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're an illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Oh, I see what he's up to, John. It's, it's back to that thing again. So as Christians, he wants us to live a holy life, and if we're not... Spanky. Spanky time. Okay? Because he loves us. But spanking's hurt. Okay? And it's a healthy fear. I don't want to get spanked. Okay? And so the, the moment that we see the sternness of God, can I tell you when that is? Have, did, did you guys ever have the dad that gave you the dad look? Yeah, John's got it going, man. So, you know what I'm saying? See, don't look, I didn't do anything. What are you doing? You know, no. But, uh, uh, but uh, you ever do that? And it's just the look, man. I mean, it, and, the, and it looks like the warning. It's like the shot across the bow. You know, it's like, keep it up. I'm going to discipline you. This is basically your grace. This is an act of mercy just looking at you like this. Right? Remember that? And then if you didn't respond to that in a healthy fear to curb your behavior, bang, there it came, right? Can I tell you when I, I, I believe that is from God? It's when the Holy Spirit convicts you. That's that stern look, uh, look from God. You know it. When you start to go down that route with sin and you feel that, that's your look. Stop, stop. But if you don't stop, here comes a spanky, okay? You need to respond. And that's what he says. He gives that analogy. He says, uh, moreover, we had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Okay, how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Now listen, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, right? It's kind of fearful, isn't it? When it, here it comes, right? You made it past the look and here it comes, right? Ooh. Anybody ever do that, that funky dance when dad's trying to get you and you start doing that thing going around and you think you're going to get away? <laughs> you're not going nowhere, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just give it up. You wonder if God laughs at us, you know, in love with his children. Where do you think you're going? Like, you're going to hide from me? You're going to get it. Man, I love you, but I have to discipline you because you're doing this, okay? Don't do that. And that's what he says. He says, it's not pleasant at the time, but it's painful. But here's the good news. God is love, okay? Uh, later, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, and it's for our good, for peace, for those who have been trained by is what he's talking about and so that's the difference that i would say the the if you would uh, fear I, you know, we use the word respect i'm not against that and say well christians we don't need to fear god we just need to respect god yeah I, i'm with that okay i'll be the first one to tell you that we have a wonderful beautiful intimate loving relationship with the creator of the universe you've heard me say that many a times i love the intimacy with god okay and yes we should respect god but i think there's a little bit more of a better term we could use because, uh, 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 let me give you another word that's used there. <clears throat> it's the Greek word phobos that's used in the New Testament for fear, okay? To work out your salvation with fear and trembling, okay? Uh, the root word of this, okay, is where we get the word phobia, like arachnophobia, which is the fear of what? 
spiders, okay? Now, does respect really come across completely what that word entails? So when you see, man, we did this second week here, man. I turned on the back patio lights and looked over there. I'm going, what is that? There was two little, actually there was more than two. It was probably about three or four. It looked like it. uh, Little bitty, beady eyes on the ground looking at me. And I'm what in the world is that? I mean, it was like tiny. What? The glimmering in the light. Turn the light on, it's a big old hunking spider. I don't like spiders, especially the hairier, the bigger, the worse. Right? Now, in my response, okay, did I say, oh, spider, I respect you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right? Okay? And so oftentimes I do believe we do need to respect God, obviously, with our attitude, with our behavior, whatever. But I think in the elements, not of a judgmental fear, but in a fatherly fear, okay, we need to understand, hey, listen, God is God. I, I, I really think one of the crimes that the American church has done to the gospel and to Jesus Christ is I call it the buddy syndrome, okay? And we've gone way off balance, okay? It's the buddy syndrome. And what we do is we only focus on the intimacy with God. We, we, we had a Christian uh, instructor always says, uh, uh, half-baked Christians, they're only done on one side. You need to flip them over. And what happens is the way that people become a half-baked Christian is they only hear half the gospel or only half the truth. People only talk about the grace of God, the love of God, the the mercy of God, and heaven. And that's great, and that's true, and praise God for that. But if you're going to fully appreciate that and not be half-baked, you need to balance it out with the other aspect, the wrath of God, his hatred towards sin, his holiness, and the punishment eternally for those who reject his son, Jesus Christ, in hell. Now you're a complete Christian. You understand it. And what's happened in the church today is we're given this impression that God is just our giant cosmic buddy in the sky. He's our, you know, our big uh, uh, sugar Santa Claus. You, you know, we do the right things. And he's going to shower us with blessings. Yes, praise God. Again, I'll be the first one to say I fully appreciate that we have a God that we can, as we saw last week, we can boldly approach his throne with confidence uh, to find help and mercy in our time of need. We have intimacy with him, but he's God. He's not just my buddy, he's God. And he is God who is holy, who is holy, who is holy. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the master of the universe. And I should be sucking carpet. I should have the same respectful slash uh, uh, fearful of fatherly. This is God I'm dealing with. Not just this buddy syndrome. And, and, and I really think the buddy syndrome, uh, if you will, what I call it, is a reaction to the, to the church going the other end of the spectrum. It was, just, it was just all the other aspect, which is not bad, but that was it. And, it's God, and people get this impression, God's always mad at you, and he's always, <laughs> no, we're his children. He loves us. Yeah, he'll discipline us, but he loves us. He's our father. We're his kids. He uses those wonderful, intimate terms. Okay. And so if you, but if you only preach the other side, God, wrath, God, hell, God, this, right? Then you're half-baked on that side. And I think that this movement was a reactionary movement to that. And I think the church needs to get back. If we're going to get back and making a difference, we need to deal with both sides of the issue, that God is holy, but yes, he's closer, and sticks closer than a friend. Both of them at the same time. Go to any other extreme, you get in a heap of trouble, Okay. And I think that's what's going on with the church today. Let's continue on. He says, therefore, God, all mankind, is born in sin. Okay, thus all is your next blank. All, for those of you hooked on spelling, A-L-L, all mankind is born in sin and separated from God. 
We are separated from God. And not only have we committed sins, but we are sinners. Here's something that society really chaps at. We are sinners by our very nature. Okay, David said that. Surely I was sinful from birth. Okay, and turn there, Psalm 51, real quick, Psalm 51. Because this is David's wonderful uh, passage where he is, I believe it's the sin with Bathsheba. Okay, and this is his uh, repentance that's going on here, Psalm 51. Okay, is what he's talking about. And, but notice the context when he gets to that statement, okay? When David is getting his heart right with God, he isn't just saying, well, God loves me. Of course he does. Everybody does. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this is no big deal. He's, he's just my giant cosmic buddy in the sky. You know what I'm saying? He's a supernatural butler. There for, at, for, at my every woman need. He's always there. That's not, and yeah, pff, yeah, blue, yeah, so I murdered a guy. <laughs> Took his wife, slept with her. Yeah, pff, God loves me. Is that how he got right with God? No, he acknowledged the dilemma. God is holy, and that sinful behavior was horrid, and he needed to be cleansed from it. Psalm 51, uh, here's what he says. He says, have mercy on me, O God. Right? He says, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know, I'm admitting, I'm acknowledging it. I know my transgressions, my sin, it's always before me. And against who? You, God. He's acknowledging this is an affront to a holy God. Against you, God, and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. You know what that means? When we are born into existence, guys, we are born... DOA, dead on arrival. We're in a heap of trouble. Okay? Society doesn't say that. If they even want to acknowledge that we have sinned or blown it and are going to be held accountable to it, they would say, well, that's learned behavior. Well, you can learn to do other sins, but no, the issue is you're born dead on arrival. We were born with that old booger of a sin nature. Okay? And you are a sinner. That's why you sin. You don't become a sinner. At the moment you're born, you're born with that sin nature, and so that's the dilemma. And I like what David says here. He says, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Pop down to verse 7. He says, cleanse me with hyssop. Now, if I have my information right, you know what that hyssop plant was? It's this big old kind of plant, and they used to dry it out. They used to use a kind of a, a scrubby thing. It had all these kind of prickly thingies or whatever on it, and, and when they dried out, it's kind of like we'd use an SOS pad or a Brillo pad to get the, the, you know, if you unfortunately once again cook chicken, you got that old nasty stuff, you got to get crusted off there, you know, outside of, you know, some sort of a drill, uh, uh, you'd have to use something really heavy duty like that. That's what's going on here, and, and he said, oh, I am so grievous of my sin, oh God, oh God, use a Brillo pad, scrub it off of me. So he said, plant, that's what's going on there. Hey, there was no denying of his sin. He, he fully understood that God is holy. Oh, no. And this is totally unacceptable. Oh, God. Later, David says a prayer that, praise God, we born-again Christians never have to pray. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. A New Testament Christian, that can never happen. Isn't that awesome? Okay, but back then when the Holy Spirit lighted upon people for certain ministries, the prophets and the kings, Saul, and David's concerned, oh, God. Please, no. Okay, now when we share the gospel, is that how people are responding? With this kind of repentance, that they're acknowledging the sin? Oh, oh. Or is it like, yeah, of course, everybody loves me. Sure, just add God to the list. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, do you see the danger here? If we don't get this core issue right as Christians, not only do we not appreciate it, what kind of a gospel are we sharing? And if it ain't the right one, Paul says, let that person be damned. Because this isn't like, well, they like cheeseburgers, I like Chinese food, oh, well. We're talking eternity here. You get this wrong, you're going to burn in hell forever. Right? You get it right. Praise God. We don't get what we deserve. Okay, we get to be in heaven forever, the complete polar opposite. But that's what he says. He says that uh, we have surly, we are sinful at birth. Very quickly, how can we demonstrate that? How can we demonstrate this biblical truth, practically, that we are sinners at birth? Yes. Yes, and that's actually the first point in my notes. How many guys had children? Okay. That uh, you purposely, in fact, you didn't wait long. I mean, as soon as the kids came out, uh, and they were like, okay, they got that stuff sucked out of their noses, and uh, they put them under that heat lamp to work on their tan, and they got it going, they cried, they're cool, okay. And the first thing he did was like, okay, now repeat after me, no. Just go ahead and say, go ahead, no, okay. And then you practice with them. Here, take this. Let me take it back from you. Now say it, no, right. Where'd that come from? Where'd that rebellion? What? I didn't teach my kids to say no. Here's another one. Not only the no, okay, aspect. Uh, why do you have to teach your kids to share? Uh, yeah, that's the, I was going to write that. Uh, mine. Mine. It's like those birds on that cartoon. Mine, 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 mine. You know, why is that so funny? Because that's so true, right? It's mine, mine. Where'd that come from? Where'd this possessive spirit come from? When it's mine, mine. It's, it's right there. It's right there from the get-go. How many guys went out of your way, and you had more than one kid, so you got siblings, so you got the old sibling fun, right, twice the fun, and uh, that you guys went out of your way to teach your one child to jump on uh, your other child uh, on their face and then uh, try to smash them? You guys work real hard at that? Where'd that come from? You see what I'm saying? I mean, for we high. All-star wrestling. Okay, that's an that's a issue. Okay, but anyway, that's right. Right? It's exactly what the Bible says. That's the problem, guys. We are dead on arrival spiritually. We are sinners uh, by our very nature. And here it is, Romans uh, 5.12. That's what he's uh, uh, talking about. Sin, is your next blank, is defined as missing the mark. Sin is defined as missing the mark. Okay? Now, remember, God's holiness is the standard or the mark that we judge everything by. And I want to do that for two things. We do a couple different things when it comes to, like, the, you know, people say, well, uh, you know, you start sharing the gospel, and you let them know that God is holy. And they say, well, so. And they say, well, the problem is you're unholy, so you're separated from God. So, well, don't you understand that because of that, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. Well, I'm not that bad of a person. You know, they start that route, right? And so then that's why it's important to roll through the Ten Commandments. God's law says, well, God, here's God's acid test. Prove to him that you're so holy. And so you start going through those things. Well, don't ever uh, uh, bear a false witness. Don't tell a lie. That's the Ninth Commandment. You hear me say this every week, okay? This is the why, uh, why we do that. Uh, say, well, everybody lies, right? Doesn't make it right. That's unholiness. You just prove God's point. Right? And see, that's the game that we do. We do the, first of all, when people, they start getting the old, you know, don't call me a sinner, everybody does that, or, you know, and what they do is they do the comparison game, okay, to try to dance around it. Okay, have you noticed that? Well, I'm not as bad as uh, Hitler, right? I don't know about you guys, but I've been encouraged these last six weeks, okay? I mean, you guys know my testimony. I thought that uh, for sure that, uh, you know, praise God, you know, I'm a, I'm a wretch, 
uh, praise God that God saved me a wretch, and I thought I was pretty bad, but after working with, uh, with Kenny and Al for the last seven weeks, I feel pretty good. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, seriously, but that's the game we play, isn't it? Well, I'm not as bad as Al. Yeah. Well, Ron does the same thing. Doesn't make it right, right? The other thing that we do is not only comparison game, is we do the categorization game, right? I mean, guys like that. Well, it was just a white lie. It was just a small one. Really? God doesn't size up sin, and he doesn't color sin. It's sin. And the penalty and the problem is still the same. Okay? Is what's going on there. That's not what God does. God does not categorize sin. Okay? The other thing that we do is we want to rationalize, or we want to, here's the big one today, in our politically correct world, we relabel sin. And somehow that makes it acceptable. Let me give you a classic example. Hey, um, uh, Joyce, why are you even talking about that? Don't you know that's just an alternative lifestyle? What am I talking about? Oh, so I called it something different, and so that makes it acceptable. Hey, what's the big deal, Bill? I don't know what to do. Don't you? Hey, listen, the guy's just got a social disease. Lay off of him. Oh, the Bible used to call that alcoholism. No, no, listen, listen, the, the, the kids, he's come from a troubled home, and, and give him a break, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, so he burned down the school and stuff like that, and he's rebellious and, and smacking on his parents and stuff like that, but, uh, but uh, you know, it's just, ab, uh, ab, it's just abnormal social behavior. No, it's called rebellion. You see what I'm saying? And somehow society just relabels sin, and somehow that's supposed to be acceptable. But if we're going to get to the point with true salvation, we need to acknowledge it like David said. Not relabel it, not categorize it, not size it up or color it. We have got to deal with it. Okay? Out of love. Jesus, when he confronted, oh, classic example. Jesus, when he confronted the woman at the well, did he confront her sin? Yes. He said, go get your husband. He knew, right? And then he told her he knew. She was living in adultery, Right? He confronted her sin. Why? Because he loved her. Because if she was going to become born again and experience salvation, she had to deal with the core issue. God is holy and we are not. And you got to have that repentant heart. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. I don't meet your standard. And that's what he says. Sin is defined as missing the mark. It's an athletic term that indicates whether the javelin struck the target or not. God has a target or standard of morality or rightness for man to live up to. Here's the problem, though. No one does or ever has nor ever will, right? No, it, just, uh, understanding that God demands perfect righteousness in order for me to have a relationship with him, I see that I am in big trouble. And that's a good place to be. They're not denying it. They're not rationalizing it. I'm not changing the terminology. I'm in trouble. Nothing we could do uh, can, can fix uh, the problem. Let me give you uh, a, a little diagram uh, to kind of work with people. I used to use this uh, actually quite a bit. And on earlier videos, I used to actually have a diagram of this. And some people kind of enjoyed it, what have you. But it's a classic diagram of our dilemma, what we're talking about with salvation. You've got basically not just man, you've got unholy man, okay, is what's going on here because of the entrance of sin. You've got a, a, a chasm. Uh, we're separated from God is what the Bible talks about and then you got not just God but you got God who is holy on this side now how in the world are we going to bridge the gap okay man right out of the gates the devil comes in he says oh, I'll tell you what you do you just try uh, religion you'll be a good religious person you know what I'm saying 
Okay, the problem is, remember, what's, who's the standard here? What's the standard? God, okay? Uh, and, and you know what the standard is? Can I, can I break the news for you? It's called perfection. It's perfection, okay? So religion, he tries religion, ah, you, you, I don't care. Some people more, you know, John's really religious. Ah, he got a little bit farther, but he ended up in the same spot, right? Good deeds. People say, oh, you know, I'll try just being a good, forget religion. I'm, I'm, never, I'm not religious. I'm just going to be a patriotic American, pay my taxes, and try not to lie on them, and try not to beat my wife, and I'll kick the dog once in a while, but, you know, I'm a good American. I'm just, ah, you get even shorter on that one, right? Who's the fastest guy on the planet? What's that, that bolt guy? The guy that does that funky thing or whatever? He's running as fast as he can go, man. He's going, here he goes, John. You'll never make it. Here's salvation. What did he say? No one does or ever has nor ever will. There's nothing you could do. It's impossible. It's too, how many times... Without a rocket, how many times in my own strength, and my own power, I'll drive four and a half hours, five hours, get a, uh, across the Grand Canyon, I'm just going to pick one, one deal. I'll even pick the shortest one. I'm going to run as fast as I can go, and John, I'm going to make it to the other side. Okay, what if every single time I uh, somehow uh, survived every single time, and how many times would it take me to jump across the Grand Canyon? It ain't happening. It's impossible. I don't care what I do, what I say, how I orchestrate it in my own strength, without some sort of help or assistance, I'm never getting across. That's the gospel. There is only one thing that can bridge the gap, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay? is the classic analogy. God did what only God could do. He took us. It was impossible. Okay? And the, the path is a path of his graciousness. Okay? And Lord willing, we'll get to that uh, next time. Uh, before we do, let's fill in that last blank. For all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's finish that last paragraph. Uh, thus, there is a separation between me and God. That's this issue going on here, guys, with a diagram. Okay, this is what we need to be saved from. My sinfulness has created an unbridgeable gulf that cannot be bridged by anything I do. Even my best efforts, my good intentions fall short. You like the sound effects? Worked all week, just, no. Okay, uh, but anyway, <laughs> you got to do something, sitting around that office, drinking iced tea all day, surfing the internet. Woo, it gets boring. Yeah, oh wait. Uh, even my best efforts, good intentions fall short of God's standard of righteousness. It's his standard, it's his target, and his target is, I don't care what you do, if you don't hit a bullseye every single time, you're in trouble. Okay? Oh, and by the way, if I hit four inches off the bullseye, and then Al over here hit the dirt. He didn't even hit the target. <laughs> I'm doing better than Al. No, we both missed. God doesn't categorize. It's got to be perfect every single time. He says it falls short of God's standard of righteousness. Man's religion, his philosophy, his self-righteousness, or anything else that I attempt to use to reach God falls pitifully short. But the good news is we will see, Lord willing, next time. Oh, praise God. He's gracious. Isn't that good news? Now, d doesn't that, after this discussion, doesn't that word graciousness, mercy, doesn't that hit home more? Doesn't that make you appreciate it much more? 
know what I'm saying? That's the importance of getting things in the proper order. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. 
for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, They certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.